Good morning. It is good to have you here this morning and online on this holiday weekend. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I attended my granddaughter's fifth birthday. I mean, you're talking about fun. Watching kids that age play is, you know, there's nothing better. I mean, they... They just smile and they play and, and it's great. No arguments. Well, maybe one or two, but that's, a, that's another thing. Now, here's, what, here's the point of, this, of, of, of what I'm trying to say. Um, my daughter has a rule that after the presents are opened, that her children can play with one of the presents with their friends. Okay? They get to choose. She chose mine. Uh, I mean, you're talking about excited, you know. She was saying to me, look, Papa, look. And I didn't even know what it was. My daughter had told me what to buy, and so I did. I didn't know what it was. You know, she said, look, Papa, look. I'm going, yeah, yeah, that looks great. That looks great. As I sat there and watched her and her friends play, and then as they kind of got disinterested, as five-year-olds do, and wandered off to do other things, I started to think, I was looking at, at, the, at the beauty of those kids, and I started thinking about my own life, you know? Um, have I brought meaning into this world? I thought about the successes, my failures, joys, sorrows. It was, it was like there for a moment that my life was a set of cards and it was just kind of unfolding, each one. And I thought to myself, has it been enough? Has, you know, has it been enough? How many things have I left undone? You know, maybe you've been in that place and ask those questions. You know, birthdays, anniversaries, holidays. You know, when we're gathered with family, it tends to bring up those kind of questions. Does my life have meaning? Have I made a difference? You see, this is what I believe John is doing with these three letters. He is challenging the churches on the eastern side of the Mediterranean, probably around Ephesus, that's the area that we believe that John started some churches and, 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 and did his work before he was arrested by the Romans. He's challenging them to think through what it is that brings me- meaning to life. What is it? And it, he declares. He declares in this letter that purpose begins by knowing the truth of Jesus Christ. The truth of Jesus Christ, who Jesus is and what his living death and resurrection means to us. And and then it builds in our growing fellowship with God through Jesus Christ and with each other. And he states clearly, a life that makes a difference is sustained and shown as we walk in the light and walk as Jesus walks.
As we look at chapter 2 this morning, that is what we want to look at and focus on. Let's pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength, our Redeemer. May these words be your words. And for all that I don't speak, O God, may you fill in the gaps. For all that I misspeak, O God, may you correct it in our hearing. That not only would we all together hear your word, but we would experience it and know it and carry it in our hearts. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. So that you may not sin. You know, every time I hear the word sin, it's like, and I said this last week, you know, it's like there's something inside of me that's saying they're trying to kill my fun. Anybody else feel that way? My father used to joke and he would say, he would sing, I am sinking deep in sin. Whoopee. <laughs> of course, he was kidding. But we, you know, we have different opinions and thoughts about sin. What is sin? What is it? I think what John would say is, I look at the Gospels, and as he talks about sin, really the, all of the Gospels, is that we should not mess with those things that bring pain. As we examine our lives, examine our actions, sin always is that which brings pain. And, and, and you know, even the noblest acts, if it brings pain, that's sin. For when pain comes, we are separated from God. When pain comes, others are separated from God. And that which separates us from God as far as John is concerned, the New Testament is sin. So what John is saying is that, you know, examine your life. I'm writing you things so that you may not sin, so you may not do those things which separate you from God, so that you may not do those things that cause pain to yourself and pain to others. Uh, don't mess with the things that cause pain. And, and he says there in these first two verses, these first two chapters, you know, don't walk in the darkness, walk in the night. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And the logic is pretty simple here. God is holy. We are to be holy. Live your life in accordance with the light of truth revealed in the Bible. Now, here's the trap that we fall into. The trap is this is that we convince ourselves that if we can just avoid the darkness, that that's, that's what we're supposed to do. That's not what this scripture says. The scripture doesn't say avoid the darkness. The scripture says walk in the light. Make a conscious choice to walk in the light. To choose the light over darkness. It's not an avoidance. It is a positive direction of, of eliminating those things that cause pain and separation from God so that we may walk fully and completely in God's light.
And, and really at the heart of this is what we feed our minds. That's the starting place. Have you ever thought about that? What we read, what we watch on television, what we listen to on the radio, um, the kind of conversations that we have with our friends or even our friends themselves. Because as we fill the mind, so actions will follow. So that you may not sin. What are we feeding our minds to become stumbling blocks for our actions? Our lives are to be full of faith, love, and hope. We are called to walk in the light. And when we live as God's children, that's when we make a difference. Then he continues, but if anyone sin, does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. You know, this almost seems like a disclaimer, you know, don't sin, don't do the things that cause pain, but when you do, it's like, it looks like a release, you know? Um, it looks like permission when we first read it, but it's not. As we talked about last week in chapter 1, what John is recognizing here is that it is a process. A process of growing in the faith. A process of growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ. A process of growing in our relationships with others. And we're going to fail. And John says, but when we do, we have an advocate. We have an advocate with the Father. We have someone who's in our corner. Someone who's there when we lose touch with God. Because when we lose touch with God, there is a loneliness that comes with this. A distance that we feel from the divine. And we think, where has God gone? It's not that God has gone anywhere. We have, we have left the building. But what John is promising here is that we are never alone. That as we confess before God, as we, as we make our intentions to walk in the light clear with God, so there is no place that we can go that we do not have the presence of Christ. The word advocate, by the way, is translated, it is parakletos. It's the same Greek word used for the Holy Spirit. Um, in John 14, it's translated as helper, and he will give you a helper that may be with you forever. But more importantly, the advocate is the one who appears on our behalf. It's like a lawyer, but a different kind of lawyer. See, a lawyer, as we understand lawyers, are those who come to represent us in a court to make a law argument and to look maybe even for loopholes. We kind of do that in our lives, don't we? You know, yeah, but... But the difference between this advocate is that this advocate not only represents us, 
But as John says there in verse 3 and 4, by this we may be sure that we know him and obey his commandments. Whoever says that he's, wait a minute, wrong, wrong thing. <laughs> um, it says we are the appropriate, that Jesus is the appropriation for our sins. That he has paid the price for our sins. In other words, he comes not to the law court just to represent us, but to stand in our place when the punishment is announced. Now, I, I don't know about you, but that's pretty incredible. And, it, and as I look at all the other religions and how they talk about God, how they talk about the divine, and there is not one that makes this kind of statement or shows this, uh, this effort, this sacrifice for us than Jesus Christ. That's why I can say with confidence, even though it is exclusive, and, 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 and for some it is scandalous, I can say Jesus is the way. There is none other that has died for my sins. There is none other that has died for my brokenness. There is none other that puts me right with God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus knows what it's like to be tempted. We saw that, we see that in the New Testament. He knows what it's like to have a broken heart. He knows what the struggles of life are like. And so... Our advocate knows us. And friend loves us anyway. Right? Anyway. He continues on. Now by this we be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. Whoever says I have come to know him but does not obey his commandments is a liar. And such and in such the truth does not exist. John kind of flips back here and he reminds us again that the way we show God that we love God is to follow God's commandments. And the incredible thing about the commandments is that <laughs> what did Jesus say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love neighbor itself. To live ourselves in love for God and love for neighbor. 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 In other words, behave like we are a part of the family of God. For we are members of God's family. Does my life have meaning? Have I done enough it's all about following Christ and it looks like this at the best of our ability using our spiritual abilities our gifts our talents to bless and serve others sharing the word of god teaching leading and encouraging others sharing our financial resources showing mercy loving people being kind and affectionate rejoicing in hope weeping with those who weep 
That is a life that makes a difference. And then he says, But whoever obeys the word, truly in this person the love of God has reached perfection, and by this we may be sure that we are in him. Perfection actually means completion. It is completed. When we come finally to know to love God and to love others in all that we do, without exception, that is completion. In other words, actions speak louder than words. Actions speak louder than words. Talk is cheap. If we say we have come to know Jesus, our lives should reflect it. So when we look for an example to follow, choose Jesus. Not the sports star or the successful entrepreneur or the powerful politician or even the great Christian teacher or the megachurch pastor. We are to follow Jesus. We are to walk in the footsteps of Jesus to take our cues from his life, to study his ways, to get intimate with the gospels, to know in reading and in reflection what it means to love and to serve God in all things. And when we love him, I mean, think about those that you love. We cannot help but spend time with him. And when we spend time with him, we can't but help become like him. I was reminded after the earlier service that In His Steps was written in 1898. I knew that it was an old book, okay? But I had assumed maybe that some of you had read the book. It's a book by uh, Charles uh, Shelton. And in in Christian uh, circles, it, it is a classic It's about a church, very kind of stodgy, conservative church that's in a downtown area um, and uh, rather uppity. And and the story goes like this. The primary scene is where they're worshiping on Sunday morning. This preacher is giving his message and this homeless person, it looks as if, comes in, shabby, smelly, and he staggers down the aisle. And with contempt, people look at him. No one moves. They just stare. The pastor finally stops his sermon. Who is this man? Who is this man? How dare him interrupt my sermon, he was thinking. You know, why haven't the ushers come forward and remove this man? And as he thought that, The man spoke haltingly, agonizing, I need help. I need someone to love me. Is there anyone? And with that, he collapses and dies. A few weeks later, the pastor got up on Sunday morning and he said, friends, I can't preach anymore. All I have thought about is the man who came into our service asking for help. We did not help him, and he died. And I can't do that anymore. 
I just can't do it anymore. And a member of the church said, you know, preacher, I've been thinking the same thing, that if we're really gonna be the church, we've gotta act like the church. We've gotta act like Jesus and love our neighbors. And another said, and another, and another. And on that day, they covenanted together to learn and memorize the gospels, the actions, and the words of Jesus so that they would be able to emulate and live as Jesus lived. It changed their church. It changed their relationship with the community. They then became the church of the community. A movement a few years ago, actually more than that, seems like a few. The older I get, the fewer it seems. What would Jesus do? That's what they were basically saying. What would Jesus do? Today we kind of make light of it, WWJD. But really, that's what John is saying to us. If you really want to make a difference, you want your life to have meaning, it's not about whether we have a gold cross around our neck or a fish uh, bumper sticker on our car. And by the way, I don't put Christian bumper stickers on my car. You may have noticed that. It's because I don't want to embarrass Jesus. Okay? It's not about carrying around a well-worn Bible. It's not about the plaques or the awards that we have won or been recognized for in our Christian service. It's about living day by day in the footsteps of Jesus to walk the walk. I, I think really this is what John was thinking of when he, as he was writing this letter. I'm sure he thought back, I should put it this way, to the Last Supper with Jesus. When Jesus said these words, if you love me, You will keep my commandments. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and abide in him. If you love me, you will keep my words. John's point's pretty clear for me that the distinguishing mark for every Christian is the mark of Jesus Christ upon their behavior, their thoughts, what they invest in. The distinguishing mark of a Christian is our love. For they, as the song goes, will only know us by our love.